I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. So this is the first in wrestling podcasting history, the first time there's ever been a multi-generational family review of a mid-1980s territorial wrestling show. I welcome my nephew, James, don't call me Jamie Coleman, to the show. <laughs> you can refer to me as Sir or Uncle during the recording. Oh, um, brilliant. You're a happy man uh, being a lifelong Liverpool supporter, having just won the league title for the first time in your lifetime, I suppose, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's in my lifetime, yeah. Five yeah. years before I was born, we last won it, so... So tell yeah. me about how that's been behind, you know, behind closed doors and how you how you found it kind of thing. Well, there's been an element of like, we knew we were going to win it from perhaps January, I think. Mm. Um, it's quite clear we're going to win it. Um, always, you never know Liverpool, but I think it's quite clear we're going to win it back in January. So when all this was happening, there was always the element of, is it going to happen? Is it actually mm. going to get cancelled the season? So there's a lot of risk with that. There's a lot of people saying that um, it's always going to have an asterisk next to it, but... At the end of the day, I don't care about any of that. No, won I don't. It, so you'll, you'll win it again now as well, and you'll win it back in normal circumstances. But the thing is, you just want to get the you know get the first one out of the way and get it done, get the first Premier League. And that thirty years has been a long, you know, it's been a long time. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's on a pedestal almost. Where you remember when Chelsea had won these Premier League divisions, but they'd never won the Champions League. There's yes. always an element of that. So. When they won the Champions League, they went absolutely crazy. In yeah. It's exactly the same for us. You've basically completed football now. I remember one of my Chelsea, Chelsea supporting mates was like, whatever happens the rest of my life now, I've, we've done everything. So and no, you exactly. have as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, can only, I can only wish that um, Fulham were doing a bit better than, uh, than we are. <laughs> By the time that this is out, we've probably lost another game. So it might be three out of three behind closed doors. Um, yeah. But no, congratulations. So, so obviously, we're on a wrestling podcast. So we're not going to talk about football the whole time. Yeah, but, of course. Um, tell me about some of your sort of earliest, and I guess I'm probably going to be linked in, this, in in some of these. But so tell me about some of your earliest memories of sort of watching wrestling and how you sort of got into it in the first place. Yeah, so there's an element of uh, being born in 1994. I know wrestling was obviously the great time in the 90s, but I sort of got into it maybe 1999, obviously five years old, you only remember so much. But yeah. truly, I remember getting into it when uh, during the Astrid era, during the Rock and Stone Cold days, WrestleMania 17 was probably my purest and longest memory of wrestling. Um, and I still watch that back today. So there was always that there was always the Monday Night Wars that I got back into watching as well um, also enjoyed it at the time but also one thing that helps which I don't think is appreciated was um, when we were younger the two main games obviously FIFA and um, uh, the Smackdown games yes so yeah. every, everyone had those games there's always talking about wrestling always talking about your uh, favourites um, of course my first show you got me tickets for which was uh, I believe Rebellion was it Rebellion? Oh, uh, yeah. Was I, was or... to th- I was trying to think what that was. Was it 2003, you think? 2002, I think. 2002? Yeah, it was the Kiss My Ass match with Rikishi and A-Train. Um, oh, wow. Is... But that was a classic, I... wasn't it? Yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> incredible. Yeah, so... And I don't think you've ever seen anything in wrestling since like that. So <laughs> I'm glad I saw that live. I can't remember if I watched that or not. So that was that. That was a UK-only pay-per-view, I suppose, was it back, back then? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I think there was Insurrection as well, wasn't there? There was Insurrection and there was yeah. Rebellion. Yeah, the Rebellion one tends to be later in the year, and I think that was the one, wasn't it? But can you yeah, remember what the main November. event was? Uh, it was Stone Cold versus something. I can't remember who it was. Um, yeah, Stone Cold versus... Oh, uh, can it have been? I don't... If it was 2002... No, yeah, it would have been. No. Um, oh, God. Oh, I think I checked this up the other day as well. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but... 2002. I'm just going to look it up. Well, yeah, because yeah. Steve Austin was on his hiatus during this time, so he... Yeah, it was, yeah. So it was at Manchester Arena? Manchester, it was, yeah. Yeah. So you had, oh, Lesnar versus, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman defeated Edge. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, yeah, oh yeah, Rikishi versus Albert. Yeah, great. <laughs> so what order? I'm going to run to this. So Bill Demott defeated Shannon Moore. Crocky. I guess it's just SmackDown show. Booker T defeated Matt Hardy. Billy Kidman and Tory Wilson defeated John Cena and Dawn Marie. The little known yeah. uh, tag team combination <laughs> of Cena and Dawn Marie. Funaki defeated Crash. Jamie Noble with Nidia defeated Rey Mysterio and Tajiri. I get a yeah, triple threat match for the Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah. Reverend Devon and Ron Simmons. So I guess he wasn't playing the food character. He was, play, he was playing himself. Defeated Chuck Blumbum and the big Valbowski, uh, yeah. Val Venus. I guess he's... I wonder if his surname is chosen. Obviously, aforementioned Rikishi and Albert. Uh, where Chris Benoit and Angle defeated Eddie Guerrero and Chavo I guess I guess that was probably the highlight of the night in terms yeah, of... Yeah, it was a great match, match yeah. Uh, and Lesnar and Heyman defeated Edge. That is a bizarre card, isn't it, for a UK only fan? Yeah. When you look back to it, yeah, because obviously Lesnar was on the up at that point as well, wasn't he? So yeah. absolutely destroying everyone. But um, yeah, I also remember that show. Uh, I got told off. I had a little disposable camera, and um, one of the fans, I stood in the way and I took a photo. So I remember getting 10 off and legging it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So you must have been quite young. So you were 94, so you were seven for that, I suppose. Yeah, seven, eight years old, I think. Yeah. It was, yeah. So it was later on in the year, so I would have been eight, I think. Yeah, quirky. That's nuts. Isn't it? So you were younger than me when I went to my first show. So that's yeah, the yeah, first yeah. WF show that was. Yeah. So yeah. when you were around that sort of time, you mentioned that a lot of the a lot of your mates had the games. Were people more focused on that side of things and perhaps didn't watch? But the game was so because I remember a lot of people had the game, and I used to play that quite a lot as well. But I don't think I think around that time people were the height of it of people that I knew watching it was probably two thousand, two thousand one, and then it started tr- sort of going down a bit, really. Yeah, I think so. Um, everyone always had the games, and even mm. people that didn't watch the wrestling. There was a bunch of us that did watch the wrestling, uh, especially having you as my uncle. Um, every time we saw you, had, you had the WWF card, didn't you? The breakfast yes. card that you got. And waited it's time. upstairs, actually. It's at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> you, let, you let me win it once for about half an hour, and then uh, you, <laughs> and you pinned me again later on. But um, So yeah, it was always that. So we did always watch it, yeah. Um, and then it obviously went on to the expensive TV. So yeah. Yeah, after that, we had some, uh, I think we had to watch TNA. So... <laughs> Yeah, so did you follow TNA very Because that, that was, was that challenge we're talking about in the mid Yeah, it was a challenge TV, yeah. yeah. Then it moved on to Spike, I think. But um, yeah, so TNA, we always used to watch. Uh, that was absolutely incredible, right at the start as well. Um, I remember when Kurt Angle first came into it, that's probably when yeah. I was deepest into TNA. But, so that's like 06, wasn't it? Yeah, 06, yeah, 07 yeah. was Angle and, uh, Angle and Samoa Joe to start off with. I mean, that was a really strong time for TNA. And it's, just, it's weird to think that actually then... Trying to think, I'm probably getting my dates wrong, but their um, their ratings on Spike are like mm-hmm. double or triple what AEW is doing on TNT at the moment. But, really? Yeah, oh, big time! But the, I team, didn't know that. the the big problem that they had that AEW don't have quite so much is that um, one, the TV landscape was really different there. So there's more mo- there's more money in in a show that's going to get eight eight hundred or nine hundred thousand viewers, which AEW did a lot less than this past week um, yeah. or the week before last week when this was this actually is. Um, and also TNA's big problem is they couldn't convert television viewers to pay-per-view buys. So they, okay. they, they would get, you know, 20,000 pay-per-view buys, whereas typically the AEW shows are getting sort of 100,000, 150,000. Yeah, yeah. So, and they can make a profit on that. And they also, obviously, they, the, the, the AEW shows have been doing well at the box office in terms of arena business, but TNA predominantly were in Orlando in that soundstage. I'm not even sure if they, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if they sold tickets to that all the time whether it was all freebies but that was a great time when that when that when that was there and they really missed an opportunity not to be, be a bit bigger do you remember do you remember were you still watching when sort of hogan and uh jeff hardy and people like that were, were involved? yeah eric bischoff yeah. came in and yeah. was, um, they even got rick flair in and it just came it just became wcw again didn't it but an older wcw as well so yeah um, exactly. 
But when it was the days of like, obviously, uh, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels are teaming up. Uh, Samojo was absolutely bossed it. Abyss was actually an actual monster. Yep. Uh, and things like that. It was actually great. Um, Samojo Kang were always great matches. So that was when it was fun. But then, like you said, they started signing. I remember they signed Tess at one point. Oh, really? and, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, um, from what I remember, he ended up doing quite well in TNA. Just because, and he was, he never really achieved much in WWE, did he? But, um, not was... too much. I always thought he, um, when he, do you remember, I, I don't know if you, this is this maybe a little bit before your time, or maybe around the time you were watching, but there was a, there was a thing where um, Steve Austin was, supposed to, the Survivor Series main event in 99 was supposed to be Steve Austin versus The Rock versus Triple H. I think Aust, uh, who would have been champion? Triple H. Um, and then Austin was injured. That was his big long injury where he was out for yeah. uh, nearly a year. Um, and they put the big show in the match and he became champion. And actually at the time, the test and Triple H so in storyline, Stephanie was with Test, and that was around yeah. short, shortly after Triple H did the did the um, did the wedding angle. And I, I kind of thought that actually that might have been an opportunity to get um, to get Test in there as WWF champion. In retrospect, perhaps not, but the Big Show didn't really do anything either. So yeah, um, yeah I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't even know it was in TNA. So yeah, it was in TNA in two thousand and seven. So yeah, so yeah. was he was he quite? Did he have quite a decent run there? Well, as soon as he came in, he came in. He got a really big push, and then he just sort of disappeared. But that's when I right. sort of thought to myself. Following WWE, Test was um, perhaps I didn't remember too much in 1999, but I just remember him sort of being a lower mid carder. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, he started getting this big push in TNA, so I thought this this is going downhill for me. I'm not really a fan of this anymore. And then yeah, Hogan yeah. and Ric Flair having another rivalry again. Um, Eric Bischoff, and it's just yeah. Yeah, they were just trying to repeat. Funnily enough, talking about Test, I when I went to um, Canada for the WrestleMania 18 weekend, I think we did. Uh, WrestleMania, Raw, and SmackDown. And the best match of the whole three days was a dark match before Raw between Tess and Tajiri. I remember that bit. I don't know if they taped it for like one of the other shows that was going on at the time, but it definitely wasn't on Raw, but it was really, really good and the crowd was really into it. But that yeah, wasn't yeah. a stellar weekend of, of matches, <laughs> sadly. I mean, Hogan yeah. and Rock was good in a different way, but I guess Flair and Untake was all right, but it was, yeah, it was, it was an odd old... Odd, old weekend for matches. Um, so what do you... T- I know you're more of a UFC fan these days than, than wrestling. Uh, do, you, yeah. do you still keep up with that pretty religiously? What, yeah, yeah. with WWE or...? No, you with the UFC. Oh, yeah, it's on last night, so I was watching that until 5 o'clock in the morning. So. Yeah, I did wonder when I saw your WhatsApp last. I thought... I haven't seen the main event yet, actually, but I understand it was a good fight. I watched all the rest of it. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah, it was absolutely yeah. incredible. Uh, well worth staying up for. It wasn't yeah. uh, Derek Lewis and Ganu, but, yeah, it was well worth staying up for. So. See, I think a lot of people in the mid-2000s... Um, kind of found UFC through wrestling and because the, the Ken Shamrock thing was quite a big crossover and in yeah. America the ultimate fighter was was aired straight after Raw to start off with so obviously a lot lot of crossover but I think people are stuck with it I think UFC is basically pro wrestling pro wrestling was real really isn't it really yeah, I mean, no, that, yeah. there's an element of that um, so I'm, I'm a huge uh, Kurt Angle fan I absolutely love Kurt Angle um, so he was he almost ended up signing into the, the Ultimate Fighter, didn't he? Yes. So um, that's what sort of got me interested in it randomly. So I remember thinking, um, I'll give this a little watch, and then just absolutely fell in love with uh, UFC. So yeah. What what do you t- do you tend to keep up with the much wrestling these days? I know it's it's a lot a lot of fans of the older stuff have just moved. Well, I mean, I don't watch it really any WWE now. What is there anything you particularly keep an eye on week to week, or just look out for? The odd thing you see online to watch, kind of. Thing? Oh no, I still watch. Um, I watch SmackDown, but I can't put. I, I can't watch three hours of Raw anymore. No. So there's an element of, uh, I'll just watch the highlights and stuff. And if something yeah. big happens, I will go back and watch the entire episode occasionally. But there's no chance I'm going to sit down and watch three hours of Raw um, no. every single day. How, how have you uh, found the, week, so. 
No, definitely not. How have you found the empty arena stuff in terms of that so far? I, I, do you know the really weird thing? I'm not going to be one of those that prefers AEW WWE or anything like that, but yeah. AEW seem to do really well with it, whereas yeah. WWE haven't. I, I understand that WWE have copied uh, AEW in terms of putting the wrestlers in the audience and stuff, but it just feels like the plexiglass and they're now using it as a weapon and things yeah. like that. It's just a bit over the top. So I felt like WWE haven't coped with it too well, uh, AEW have. Yeah, I think I didn't enjoy the AW show, um, the one before last. So, so this week is the week of Fighter Fest, which we recorded beforehand. But I think I just want them to, especially WWE, every single show that they've done, apart from a, an element of their Money in the Bank pay per view, has been in that same setting. I just want them to do, take the ring outside and, you know, put it in the park, put it, in, put it in a big car park and like do it in the middle of the day. Just do something to make the shows look a bit different, I think. No, and absolutely. that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's been the, been the main problem. They can still put the plexiglass up. But I know that they've, by, by the time this is out, there's probably going to be even more problems come out. But they've had huge, huge coronavirus issues in the last 10 days no, or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, they weren't even testing anyone until fairly recently. They're just taking temperatures yeah, and not letting people yeah. wear masks. It's just, uh, I mean, if it wasn't wrestling and it was another sport, it'd just be a just be a huge scandal, really. But oh, um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, not not the best. So, moving on to Mid South, I presume this is, and I feel like I should apologise in advance for this because this wasn't a stellar episode of Mid South, and we'll go go through this. But I presume, did you have you had you heard of this promotion before, and have you, which I think maybe have i wouldn't have thought you'd have seen any but i'll let you answer so this might sound really silly or maybe even offensive but i remember in wwe that did they make a joke out of uh, mid-south where it was south Pole wrestling do you remember that skit? oh uh so, so that regional wrestling is probably a dig at all of the kind of territory oh, territorial right, okay. stuff yes yeah, yeah yeah because that did every time when i was watching uh mid-south um there was an element i randomly remembered the uh south yeah, regional yeah. So, and it was just, there was an element of that. The guy, the, the announcers in their colourful suits and everything like that. So, but yeah, no, I actually did really enjoy it. Funny enough, I, um, in comparison to like 45 minute episodes and shorter matches, it is quite nice. Yes. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah. It's just, comparison. this wasn't, this was an odd one, but we'll, we'll go through it. So I guess you, we probably may or may or not, may not have been surprised to see it. Uh, I think he was, how old was Jim Ross? He was 32 at this point. So yeah, a yeah, very yeah. young Jim Ross. So he'd been, so basically as it, as it works at the time, he would dip in and out of doing commentary one week and then he'd be a ring announcer the, the following week. And yeah. he, was, he was involved in a little bit of backstage creative at this point, but not uh, not in a, kind of a, Bill Watts, the guy on his on his right, or on his left as you looked, right as you looked at yeah, the screen. Yeah. He, he was the sort of president of Mid-South Sports and he was the, the owner and like the number one guy kind of thing. <laughs> Um, but Jim Ross and Bill Watts are at the desk uh, and Ross says that matchmaker Grizzly Smith has put together a great card headlined by Sonny King versus Kosha Khrushchev. Kosha Khrushchev is the future demolition demolition smash. I'm guessing he's definitely before your time, isn't he? Demolition. Yeah, sorry, but I've heard of demolition. Yeah, yeah. I have, yeah. That's the thing. This is the, the, gen- the generational difference here is going to be because you're just that little bit younger, aren't you, in terms <laughs> yeah, of like, yeah. stuff that you, you've seen. I always find it quite strange to think about like kids that kids that grew up with John Cena, if you were like, six or seven when you first started watching wrestling like Cena was champion you just missed you missed the whole all of yeah. Steve Austin The Rock and Hulk yeah. Hogan's like that's miles and miles back like Ultimate Warrior Manny Savage and stuff like that and there's kids probably growing up with this WWE and there are kids growing up with this WWE now it's just like crikey this is not even wrestling sitting through those three, three hour roars where the matches yeah, are yeah. repeating over and going thinking like <laughs> what the hell is this uh, so Sonny King and Kosha Kruse, plus we ha- also have a North American Championship match between Ernie Ladd and Magnum TA. Um, and Ernie Ladd has said that he wants to have this match first up, so he has the whole hour to beat Magnum. I just thought, I didn't even notice this, but Bill Watts seemed like he was all over the place here. It was, he didn't know, he lost, completely lost his train of thought. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so, so and it, sorry, go, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, there was an element of, um, he said, uh, there was a tag team, I can't remember which one it was, and he only said one of the names. Jim Ross had to come in and save it at one point. So, yeah, yeah 100% I'll see what you're saying. I didn't know what I didn't know what um what what he was he was doing here. Um, I haven't mentioned the date actually. So this is the July fourteenth, nineteen eighty four um, episode of Miss South Wrestling, which is a very big day in the world of wrestling. This is known as Black Saturday uh, in wrestling, which okay. is completely aside from uh, Mid South. This is the day where Vincent Mann's WWF appeared out of nowhere in what was the Georgia Championship Wrestling time slot on TBS. But I'm going to do a little piece on that another time so watch sure. this space so in <laughs> ring yeah well I, I, man, something, for you, something for you to look forward to absolutely there definitely <laughs> uh, in ring Boyd is resplendent in a multicolored uh multicolored jacket and white trouser look and he stood there with hercules Hernandez, steve williams and jim Cornette, who cuts him off Cornette says that everyone knows he's had a problem with hacksaw jim Duggan, terry taylor he thought about having the midnight express deal with the problem but as they are the tag team champions he thought those two didn't deserve a title match and therefore he's got two other men to sort the problem out Steve Williams, and who he describes as the most awesome athlete in wrestling, Hercules Hernandez. And out comes Terry Taylor and Hacksaw to a surprisingly mutual reaction. Um, can you remember seeing any of these? I think Hacksaw Jim Duggan might have been around. Can you, can you remember seeing any of these four previously? No, I, I did know Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, yeah. The others, are not, I, not off the top of my head, no. Uh, I think I've heard of Midnight Express as well, but not yes. necessarily. I've never seen them. I don't think I've seen them in WWF. But... No, so the Midnight Express, the last... Uh, version of that w- was um, Bob Holly and Bart Gunn, the guy, if you remember Bart Gunn from Tough Enough. Yeah. There's a, there's, yeah. yeah. So that was the last version of this, but then the ma- this was the Dennis Condren, Bobby Eaton version of it. And then the WCW version later on was Stan Lane and uh, Bobby Eaton. So there's a few different incarnations of this, but all managed by Jim Cornette. Um, so what's on commentary sounds very somber and tells Ross that he'll have to excuse him because he's very disappointed in Steve Williams. Basically, Steve Williams is the hometown hero um, and he turned heel over the previous two weeks. Um, yeah. And Watts has said he stood for team spirit and he was a leader at Oklahoma University. And now he's been caught up in making money and he's sure that Cornette has been stirring the pot. Um, so the faces control the early going here with Taylor nearly catching Williams in a roll-up for a near fall. The crowd gets into it more and starts chanting, go Terry, go. Williams gets on top and takes Taylor down in the side headlock. Hacksaw gets back in and he goes to work on Williams, who has been in for most of the match so far at this point. Taylor hits a nice double leg drop on Williams' arm that Hacksaw had been working on, leaping from one side of his body to the other. And there's lots of holds on, in this one, particularly working on Williams' left arm. Um, Williams manages to break free and makes the tag um, and then gets on top of Taylor with a big elbow. He also takes Taylor down with a short-lived jack and sleeper until Taylor gets back up and forces Hercules into the corner. Duggan makes the hot tag and comes down with a big double dro- double fist on Hernandez. That didn't look great. Uh, and then a big back body drop. Cornette trips Duggan in the ropes and Duggan chases after him. The ref then calls for a DQ in 6-16, but Duggan leaves Taylor getting beaten down by both heels until he makes a save with the help of the ringside chair. Um, for, for a match that was over six minutes, which is long um, in Mid-South standards, I thought there wasn't a huge amount of action in this one and instead of relying on a, a lot of a lot of rest holds, really. Um, what did you think of your first sort of experience for Mid-South wrestling match here? So, do you know what? This, your, my, my mind changed very quickly afterwards, but you understand what I meant. Mm. Uh, what I mean in a second. But um, So, the ending with Jim Cornette, obviously, uh, getting disqualification, I actually did really like that. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Because it's not often you see the manager actually getting caught and getting the, getting disqualified. So you so like the fact that the ref caught him in the yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not something you see every day, all the time, uh, essentially. So it was quite nice to see an actual DQ ending, which yeah. my mind obviously did 
change towards the end with the impossible game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think Watts was, I don't know what was what was going on in Watts' mind when he booked this one, but yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, yeah, so it's just towards the end of the actual card, you, you understand what I mean by disqualifications, but um, yeah, the, yeah, it was actually cool. I, I expected, um, I quickly worked out because I didn't know t- uh, too much that um, Gods of Death and Hercules were the, uh, the hills in that one. Yeah. But um, a six-week matchup, it was quite refreshing. I liked the ending and it was quite cool. So I did actually quite like that match. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is be- if you're going to do this, you'd rather have it happen in six minutes than 16, wouldn't you, I suppose, in terms yeah, of how actually finish. Yeah, absolutely. So there was, it, in all means, I don't think Hercules did look like this sort of big monster hill, though. There was nothing, like you said, there was wrist holds and a lot of... Although the first the first minute um, there's clothesline in the first mm. like, I think the first maneuver and the audience went absolutely mental. Mm. I remember thinking, "Blimey, <laughs> this is going to be this is going to yeah, be a yeah, yeah. Then it quieted down quite then a lot. It down. Hercules has looked good in most of his other absence, but I agree with you. I I thought this was one of his weaker ones. I don't know. I don't know whether. So the way they used to do these tapings is they would do four episodes in one one sitting, basically, uh, yeah. on a Wednesday usually. And I wonder whether this 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 felt like the end of a taping where the guys were tired and what they would do as well. So this this television show would air in a number of different markets. So like around sort of Oklahoma to New Orleans and all the big towns around around there. So I think I think I've I've heard them say it got about a million viewers a week, which I probably believe actually. So it was it wow, was okay. it was probably. You know, what I'm guessing here. It would. It was certainly top five in terms of wrestling uh, ratings in the country at the time. So this is this is a big deal, and also it was starting to be able to be viewed in different parts of the country as cable TV became a thing. But what would happen, and what you didn't see on these, which sometimes can be a little bit confusing, is as you went in and out of the breaks, you'd have a you'd have promos. You don't get on the body of the episode because those promos would be different depending on where the show was airing. So in New Orleans, they'd be pushing it be. Let's take an, take an example of this match. You'd have sort of Dr. Steve Williams doing a promo um, about his match with Terry Taylor coming up at, at the arena in New Orleans. And then, but in the Oklahoma show, the promo insert would be him fight, fighting Taylor at the Oklahoma show. But that's never spoken about on TV. So the, so the yeah. TV show is to push the arena business because this, this is pre pre-pay-per-view basically yeah, so yeah, there, were yeah. no, there were no pay-per-view so, so all that stuff but the, all those promos for four weeks worth of television would all have to be done in one day basically so the guys are probably knacking and that's that's what i sort of got from this oh okay so that's probably why they did you know 80 percent of rest holes in a six minute match here um, yeah yeah they just couldn't wait to get out of there and go go to the nearest bar i'd imagine 100 um, so Nature Boy, Buddy Landell versus steve brinson next and um, did you spot the resemblance between steve brinson and kane in this one I didn't know. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe if he's on next week, look out for it. But he, to be fair, he has done something to his hair. I think he's got blonde highlights in there. So he does look a little, he's not quite dead on Kane. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's, he's a bit of a lookalike. I thought Landell almost killed him with the first, pretty much the first movie when he dropped him over the top right. Did you notice this? Like, he just looked terrible. Yeah. 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 He had a, definitely had a dead leg off that as well. You could see because he was yeah. looking around a tiny bit. But yeah, I don't know whether, I don't know what, what went wrong here with the timing was wrong. But yeah, Landell basically with a hot shot move, drapes uh, Brinson's neck over the top rope. Um, he follows up with a couple of great looking knee drops. Um, Landell hits a gut wrench suplex and then controls Brinson with a headlock, followed by a front face lock and a vicious looking knee. Watson Ross are running Landell down on commentary here and suggesting that he can't sometimes back things up physically. Uh, but in front of us, he's controlling a much larger man, so it's a little con- incongruent with what is actually being presented. Did you notice that? They were, just sl- they were slating Landell on commentary but he was absolutely smashing this much larger guy while it, while it was happening. So it's just like, yeah, I it felt seems that was a bit odd. 
Yeah. It seems like they're trying to build him up to be a heel potentially. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, I mean, he, he is a heel, but I just thought yeah. he's, if he was like being a bit of a chicken shit heel against someone or something like that, I could understand the commentary. But actually, he was like this much bigger bloke. I mean, Lando wasn't particularly small, but he was smaller. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was a bit, bit of an odd one. Um, Landell yeah. won this without Brinson getting, I think, a single offensive moving in 321. Um, any, any thoughts on this uh, Landell versus versus Kane lookalike match? Yeah, so two questions. First one is, um, maybe I'll, I'll quickly learn that. Do they not have finishing moves in Deep South, um, Miss Elf? Or? Uh, they do, uh, but they're probably not, they were probably, one, not as prevalent, and two, um, they're probably not as devastating as you would as you know, expect, yeah. yeah, as what we expected. So I know Landell won this with like a, did he win it with like a jumping elbow or something? I oh, know, I thought he won it with a body slam. Oh yeah, body slam. Yeah, so it's later yeah. on this jumping elbow, isn't it? Yeah, so I don't think that, that necessarily was his, fit, his finish per se, but I do yeah. also think that like, in these enhancement ta- talent matches, they wouldn't always win the same way. Um, yeah. So like, for example, the Rock and Roll Express's finisher was a double drop kick. So it's just, you know, pretty yeah, standard yeah, yeah. fair. But it's like, you know, it's not like a, you know, um, a one-winged angel or something that looks like he's actually killing the other person. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it is a bit different. That they, they did have finishes to an extent, basically. And sure. so what was your second question? Um, so this might be a silly question, but um, obviously he's, um, Nature Boy's come out in a, a robe and blonde hair. Yes. Is this just a thing back then? Or is this a, sort of, a, are they copied from somebody else? Or? So uh, the, the original Nature Boy, I think, was Buddy Rogers. Um, so the, so the, the Nature Boy moniker is not a, not a new one in wrestling. But um, back then, I mean, Rick, Rick Flair was really in, his, really in his pomp. I think he probably had the NWA World Champion, Championship um, at least three times, if not more, by this point, because you yeah. had the original run, the one where he beat Harley Race at the first Starcade, um, and he'd also won it back by Kerry Von Erich after the um, David Von Erich Memorial Show. So, sure. I mean, Rick Rick Flair was in his pomp at the time, but Buddy Landell was was kind of similar sort of gimmick, and they did. I think I think they feuded over this in '89 or '90 in WCW. In 90, yeah, WCW, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Rick Flair won, didn't he? But yes, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's um it's a bit of a Flair ripoff. But Landell was very good in in his own right. But I think in more it, with with you know eyes you know 36 years afterwards, it is it is tough to separate him from you know, your Ric Flair light, if you like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Way. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, that's, that was confusing when he came out in the road with the blonde hair. It was just yeah. like, oh, okay, I know who that is. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Mike Jackson is up next. Um, Mike Jackson, funnily enough, believe it or not, actually had a match on Impact not too long ago. Uh, oh, really? This, this guy, yeah. I think he's... Quirky, maybe late 60s or early 70s. And he looked decent, actually, as well. So that's, that's one to have a, wow. have a look out for. Um, so it's almost like they're building a program between Landell and Reed with the constant comparisons between the two and the focus on their friendship on um, commentary here. Um, Reed gets caught play acting and he gets hit with two nice-looking drop kicks from Jackson before taking over the big belly-to-back suplex. Um, Reed has Jackson down for what looks like a three-count, but pulls him up. Um, Reed follows up with a press slam, but instead of going for the pin, he taunts the crowd and out comes Sonny King and he blasts Reed over the head with a chair as the ref turns around. He then places Jackson on Reed and counts the fall, even though the DQ has already been made in 329. Watt says this is a moral victory for King, and I'm not sure about that given that the babyface just attacked the heel from behind with a chair. So this is DQ <laughs> number two on the DQ yeah. count of the day. Yeah. So what did you think of, what did you think of this, this one? I thought, sorry, I've asked a question. I'm asking, hey, just before I, I, you answer, 
they do do this sometimes when the baby faces do very heelish things. And I just sure. thought, actually, what's he doing? Like, he's just come out there and smashed the guy over the head with a chair. Like, I know they are feuding, but again, yeah. that's not a very baby face move. So what do you think of this, uh, this match? Well, Reed looked like an absolute beast, didn't he? So yeah. that was quite cool to see it. Again, I do like a monster hill, as I said earlier. Um, but also, at the end, I thought, you know what? That's quite nice. Two DQs. I'm having a lucky day today. I thought, oh, that's quite cool. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, that's a nice little touch as well. And it was, they obviously built into a bigger picture. So hmm. maybe if I followed the story more, it would have been more interesting as well. So, but no, it was, it was, cool. It was a cool ending at that point. Yeah, Reed was a big star in Mid South, and he'd feuded a lot with their number one babyface, Junkyard Dog. And it wasn't too long before Reed was in in the WWF, and he was one of the people that was around in the early WrestleMania years. Um, yeah. So, and he, he was at WrestleMania three as well. Um, so, in ring after the break are Bob Brown and Dale VC, and we then see the second match of the promotion of the pretty young things of Coco Ware and Norval Austin, who are out to the Michael Jackson song of the same name. Did you watch this on YouTube, or did you watch the WWE Network version? No, I watched. Uh, I watched it on YouTube. Great, yeah. So the, the, the difference is obviously they've um, they've used the original. They kept the, the YouTube versions are basically recorded off the TV, so they're the, they're the originals with all the music, uh, the copyrighted music that's still in it. But obviously the WWE Network version, because no one was paying for copyrighted music back then, so they just yeah, yeah. ripped these people off. So so it yeah. is a lot. But though, though the picture quality and the network is a lot better, I always watch the YouTube ones because it's nice to, nice to see how they use this stuff. And it's pretty revolutionary to be using these pop music like pop music songs back then. Um, as odd as that might seem so, so long afterwards. Um, but Mid-South, World Class, and a few other places were using entrance music when entrance music was, was still a relatively new thing. Um, sure. The graphic on the bottom of the screen says PYT Express, even though they're not referred to by that name, so that was a typo. Yeah, so absolutely, yeah. Yeah, do you notice that? It's like, how yeah, do you, yeah, you put that on there? Ridiculous. <laughs> um, so Watson Ross put over their strong debut last week where they beat the Midnight Express, albeit the camera missed the pinfall, which was helpful there. So P- PYT's big, mo- big moment beating the Tag Team Champions and the camera didn't get it. Um, so with PYT on top, after two minutes, there was a commotion in the crowd as the Midnight Express come out to attack Austin and Ware. But the attack is short-lived as the Pretty Young Things fight them off and their opponents as well. And they win this one by disqualification <laughs> number three. DQ number three. So what did you think of this one? Uh, so in my notes, I've literally just put a uh, third DQ out of four matches. Yeah. Question mark, estimation mark, estimation mark, estimation <laughs> Um So, yeah, no, again, it was, um, I did really like the um, Pretty Young Things, them coming out. I thought that yeah. was like, um, I did, the thing I noticed this one, and maybe I was watching uh, the, the one afterwards, was um, the amount of time it takes to get the jackets off. Um, <laughs> the last match could definitely have saved a few more minutes. But... Yeah. Well, and that's an important thing, because we, we, we'll give this away. I mean, the time of the, the, the timing of this show is another problem, and, and it, we're not spoiler alert. But at the end of the show is cut out in the middle of a match, and as yeah, you absolutely. say, like this is all pre-taped. So what they do, what they plan out, cut out a bit of someone taking their jacket off, yeah, um, which, was, which was which was nuts really. But the whole show just felt a bit odd. And um, after the break, we have Crusher Crusher versus Sonny King. Um, Watts reminds us that we still have Magnum TA versus Ernie Ladd coming up for the North American title. Um, and Sonny King appears to be a Crystal Palace supporter with his trunks in the same combination of colours that football team employs in their shirts. I meant to look up how Crystal Palace were doing in 1984, um, but I guess probably not as good as they are now with one of the greatest <laughs> football managers of all time in charge. I'm sure you'll agree, a big Wyogian <laughs> fan, aren't you? <laughs> what a bloke. What a bloke. Yeah, what a man. Um, <laughs> I thought, I thought Khrushchev has looked good in almost all of his Mid-South outings, uh, but the action tends to look a little rough with King in there. And again, a number of rest holes in this despite of the relatively short length and the crowd is largely silent. 
Um, what reminds, reminds us of the forthcoming title match and that the Fantastics are on standby. Khrushchev continues the chin lock that feels like it's been on for an eternity. Um, he misses a big elbow from the second rope and Kings fires back with some iffy looking punches. Um, he put his head down for Khrushchev coming out of the corner. Did you notice this backdrop? It's, it's like basically King put his head down and Khrushchev almost had to flip himself over his back because there was yeah, no yeah. momentum. It's just really odd. Um, and then out comes Butch Reed with a chair for disqualification number four in 5.15. Um, and this looks awful. Khrushchev holds King for the chair shot in a full, full Nelson position. But King bends right over in absolute slow motion. So before he's even swung, started swinging the chair, the guy is basically already bent over. But Reed continues to hit with, with the chair shot, hits Khrushchev on the back. It looked awful. Sonny King clears the ring. Um, and again, I just thought this was just Ross. So what did you think of this dreadful six minutes of, of wrestling here? So I've learned quite quickly, I'm not a big fan of Sonny King. Um, no, he's he's not two, very good at all, yeah. The two times I've seen him. But also, it looked like uh, in the second minute, it looks like he fell out the ring as well. Uh, I don't know yeah, that yeah, he, yeah, No, I don't think it was. I think he stumbled. Yeah, Yeah. so it looks as though he fell out the ring, which um, and he does look very athletic. It was quite nice, though, to see a 10 buckle being used. I think that was the first time five matches is actually used. Hmm. Um, and then of the wrestling world that I know, a big Russian heel against... Um, yes, yeah. And all that. So again, there's an element of that Hollywood s. I didn't realize what the politics was back like back then. But um, yeah, Sonny King. I've, I'm quickly learning. I'm not a fan of him so far. No, he was he was right on the right at the tail end of his career. And, I, and I, I, every bit of in reaction I've seen, I, it's, it's it's to the point of feeling a bit sorry for him because he's just. I think he's probably late forties at this point. He's just clearly yeah. just not. Timing's gone. Everything's gone. But what you said about the politics is interesting because what I said about the baby faces and heels and baby faces doing very heelish things. One of the guys I've had on previously who grew up in this territory, grew up in this territory and watched this as it, as it was, as it aired probably as like a mid, mid teenager. Sure. Basically like the politics were so bad between the U S and, and Russia at the time is that the Americans could do anything to the Russians. Maybe cheered like this, this, and this is, wasn't an Ivan Drago, like yeah, yeah. Russian crowds can turn <laughs> the other way. Like this was like, Pure, pure hatred. I always thought that was an awful ending to Rocky IV, by the way. I don't know if you... I'm sure you've seen the Rocky films. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just thought the Russian crowd's never going to turn on their, their hero. So what are you doing to Wester Stallone? I, mean, I think that was during his odd time where between Rocky IV and Rocky V, even though in the film it was like overnight, his son aged by about 10 years and that. So <laughs> just like he's put, put down the drugs and like, but at least he came back with some, with some better films after that. Sure. Uh, right, where are we? So um, after the break, we had the North American Championship, the top title in Mid-South Wrestling. So in ring is Magnum TA with a great looking title belt around his waist. Pierce says that we are waiting for the appearance of the challenger, the big cat Ernie Ladd. They cut back to Watson Ross, who say they have received word from Grizzly Smith, who's the kind of off-screen matchmaker. Um, he, I think he's appeared maybe once or twice in the nine or so months I've been watching, but he's, he's a bit like an off-screen matchmaker commissioner type role. Um, yeah. So they received word from Grizzly Smith that Ernie Ladd has said that there's not enough time left and that he specified he wanted the first match on the show to beat Magnum. Smith said that they should air the Born to be Wild video on Magnum again, as everyone enjoyed it so much last week, me included. And that if Lad isn't in the ring by the time it finishes, then the match would end by forfeit. Um, before we get on to what happened next, Mid-South quite famous for these, um, these video packages that are, believe it or not, 
ahead of their time. So this is the first one that you've had the privilege of watching. Okay. With the, li the lips being licked and all. So what did you think of this Magnum TA video package? So I remember, I remember thinking, I was like, um, they don't do entrance videos uh, with music too much, uh, other than the Pretty Young Things, uh, Pretty Young Things. Um, and they don't do any promos. I really want to see a promo. I love a good promo. And yeah. um, so I don't know if I was going to see one. And uh, when it started, uh, I wish I'd never seen it. Honestly, it was just like... <laughs> It was like nothing. Else. It's a good for like two minutes of him on the motorbike, wasn't it? Like, yep. And then him licking his lips. It's just like, oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't him licking his lips. I think it was a lady licking her lips. Oh, right, yeah. okay. <laughs> Which makes it obviously all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, thank you. I yeah. like it now. <laughs> There's, these ones are incredible. There's an incredible Rock and Roll Express one where they are. It's probably a three-minute video and probably about a minute of it is them standing by a jukebox looking smug and in and around a car looking equally smug but bear in mind like i don't know i think this is so because i'm an i'm an 80 i'm i was born in the 80s and grew up yeah, in the 80s yeah. so i can appreciate the 80s stuff you're a late 90s you're a millennial yeah. really aren't you whereas yeah, i'm not yeah. generation y so um i i'm like I can appreciate the 80s-ness of this, but I can imagine for a younger girl, it's just like, what the hell is this? How is this ever a thing? We've got a like, topless man lying on a motorbike and that's supposed to get people to cheer him. Yeah. But I just loved it. But it's interesting hearing your view on it because it obviously it, is a very different thing. It was so weird. It was, um, I remember thinking to myself, how did people get behind this? Because yeah. everyone's, well, the audience seems to love it. Everyone seems to have obviously loved it. So I remember thinking, what on earth is this? <laughs> <laughs> it was just so good. I was so good. But, but they, yeah, I, the planet again was bizarre, but they did do that. I remember, I can't remember, I think it was the Rock and Express themselves. They maybe played that video four or five times in the week up to their debut, but it clearly worked because the first time they appeared on TV, they were superstars. And Magnum was, was a big deal and would go on to um, be a big star in, uh, in the NWR under Jim Crockett in the years to come. But then yeah. he, he unfortunately had to retire because of, of a car accident in 86, 87, I believe. Um, so back to Watson Ross after the break, and they inform us that Ladd has not made an appearance. Watts says that Magnum doesn't want it to end that way. Um, he has been insulted and he is ready. Boyd says that enough time has passed and Magnum is the North American champion. He wins the match by forfeit. Um, Buddy Landell then comes out for his second appearance on the show and he says he wants the match. Boyd says that no one in the ring has the ability to sanction the match. Um, Landell calls Magnum a geek behind, hiding behind the belt. Magnum takes the belt off and there is a ref in there. And Boyd says, says as he's getting out of the ring that this is a non-title match if they wrestle. Well, they are wrestling and then Magnum hits a great dropkick early on. And then after 45 seconds, Ernie Ladd made his way out to ringside holding a particularly large case. Magnum invites him in the ring and Landell knees him right in the back before Ladd smashed him with a case in the head for the DQ. Is that number four or five have we got? I think it's five, uh, is it? Yeah. Five, great. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. DQ number five out of six so far. Fantastic. There's no follow-up here and it's just cut straight to break. I really didn't like uh, the whole bait-and-switch angle here throughout the show of, of saying that this match was going ahead. Um, you didn't, didn't really give the fans anything else in, in its place. You got 45 seconds of the champion. Um, what did you, I thought it was a bit of another mess. What did you think of this uh, No, I thought it was exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, it was a, just a mess. And the fact that uh, Ladd ended up coming out 45 seconds later just confused me. Like, did yeah. I miss something or was it he just didn't fancy wrestling? And then... Um, all, all he's been saying is that he said for the last couple of weeks that he wants Magnum for the title on TV, but he wants it right at the start of the show so he's got the full hour to beat him so they can't screw him out the title with like a TV time limit draw or something. Um, so that, that's it. But they said that right at the start. It was like, well, if you want to book that match, just put it on first. But I, I just yeah. didn't like it. I thought, I thought this, this promotion, generally speaking, has been very 
straightforward and it makes sense what they do generally. Yeah. But this this is this is a lot a bit of a departure from that. And I thought I thought this was creatively not very good this week. Um, so after the break, we've got Hans Schroeder and Pat Rose are in the ring. Even though I've written down Pat Ross, but it is Pat Rose <laughs> in the ring, um, and they will be going up against the fantastic come out to their sharp dressed man theme tune. Um, what says on commentary that he and Grizzly Smith will recommend that Ernie Ladd gets a significant fine? And then Watts is just over and over again talking about them running out of time. Oh, we might run out of time. The fantastic is so good. But if we run out of time, we'll have them back. And then after 2.47, it just cuts the credits. So sometimes when this happens, they call it a time limit draw, which is something, a TV time draw, which is something else. So if they're going to put a match on and they don't want, you know, it might be two named people and they don't want a winner, fine. But you can't just cut the credits in a pre in a pre tape show. I thought that was really really poor. Um, yeah. what, I mean, what what did you think of this two forty seven with the with the fantastics here? So obviously this was the first show I've ever watched. So I didn't know whether um, the two minutes uh, television time was like uh, storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, and it did seem as though they were picking up the pace. It, this was my favourite match so far. Other than yeah. the, the other the chat was uh, talking about the previous match the entire time. Um, but I thought maybe the two minute uh, uh, time limit would come into play. And there was a lot of, it, it seemed to have a lot more intensity than the other matches. Yeah. So I was a little bit gutted that the match came to an end because at the end, I was just like, oh, right, okay. So maybe it's not storyline and it is just actual television time. Yeah. I, so, I thought the same. I thought they were going to get the victory in the, in the time. Yeah. They were just building up the drama, but they didn't, they didn't do that. Yeah. Um, I don't usually say this, but I just thought from a creative standpoint, this was a really poor episode of Miss South Wrestling. I don't know what was going on behind the scenes at the time, um, but it started shaky with Watson and you having no idea what he was talking about during the opening. The stuff with King and Reed was dire. Um, the show long angle teasing the Magnetier versus Lad match was really unsatisfactory and it's criminal not to time the show out better to have an end during a match with a new featured act like the Fantastics. Um, and I feel like you got a bit of a short straw guest hosting for the first time in this episode. Uh, <laughs> but you are coming back next week, hopefully, yeah, uh, if, you can, if you can stick it out for another week. So um, what, did you, what do you think overall of the July 14th, 1984 episode of Miss South Wrestling? So ultimately, I was quite excited at the start. You've got two great minds in wrestling, Jim Ross and Jim Cornette, and I didn't realise they were both in this. Um, mm. So I thought, I, I thought it'd be great, and I did really enjoy the short matches, um, so much so that it makes me look at WWE now in an element of maybe it doesn't need to be this long. Yeah. Um, and there's elements, the Fantastics were actually fantastic, funny enough. Um, but there was also an element of just a lot of wasted time. Um, the Like you said, you loved it, but the uh, TA promo of him on his motorbike lasting maybe two three minutes and it was a long song born to be wild yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um the pretty young things um uh, the express or whatever they're called mm. um with those guys not, not the, the express but they called them <laughs> on that yeah um them taking the jacks off they could have just even with a video package like you said they uh, pre-recorded they could have shaved off some time to uh, get the fantastics in because that to me was my favorite match on the cards and it oh yeah exciting. You, could, so, you, you didn't need the, the Magnum TA thing could have been timed. So that went, they went to break and they said, well, if he's not out there by the end of the break, we'll, you know, we, then it'll be the forfeit. I didn't think you need that. And I actually think if you've got a six and a half minute match, because the other two guys at the Fantastic were against looked decent, I thought. They were two yeah, like, yeah. short, stocky, well-built guys. I thought, you know, if they had a six and a half minute match, which is about the limit you get, that would have been a quite nice way to end it and showcase the fantastic. It's like, well, these guys you're pushing and you've just given them two and a half minutes and then they're out of there. So yeah, not ideal, but hopefully the 21st of July episode will be a bit better. So we'll we'll look forward to speaking to you again next week. So where can people find you online, uh, Twitter, et cetera, should should they want to follow you and and listen to things about 
you know, Liverpool's triumph, news <laughs> on the UFC, all sorts of good stuff. And complain about buses. Um, <laughs> so my Twitter handle, I see, the only social media I currently got at the moment is uh, Twitter, which is at Mr. James Coleman, YH. So there if, you yeah, go. But back in the day when I used to be a chav. <laughs> I, I don't think you've ever been that. I think you're doing yourself a disservice there. But yeah, thank you very much for putting on the show. We look forward to speaking to you again next time. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments. And I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.